0: As many of you know, one of my favorite poems is by a fellow named David Budbill, uh, entitled uh, Bugs in a Bowl. And, it, and I, I don't have it with me, so I have to paraphrase tonight, but it goes something like, we're all like bugs in a bowl, all day going around our bowls, uh, never leaving our bowls, climbing up the steep side, falling back climbing up again, falling back again, and sitting in the bottom of the bowl, head in our hands, cry, moan, feel sorry for ourselves. And he suggests, or, look around. See your fellow bugs. Say, how you doing? Say, nice bowl. (laughs) And this reminds me of of what uh, is a capacity that all of us have, that is so close, so much part of our nature, and is such a source of of joy, of connection, of relinquishing of our preoccupations, uh, a source of reconnecting with a uh, a wider circle of. Of being a wider, the, our wider community of existence. We deprive ourselves by missing this simple capacity that we have to act with kindness, to act with generosity, uh, and they are they're just built into our what we can call here, since this, in this context, our Buddha nature, but our our human nature. We're all Buddhas, and Buddha simply means awake. And when we're awake. When we look around, see our fellow bugs, there is a natural impulse to, to be responsive, to give, to show in small ways that uh, it's in our nature to be compassionate, to be kind, to be generous, to just express acts of kindness, to really join with another in their pain, and then perhaps even act in, with compassion. And it's really a process that eases our anxiety to be able to in fact one of my teachers, Angelus Arian, used to say, action absorbs anxiety. To act compassionately, to act with our caring. It it eases our hearts. And then to be able to offer somebody the the gift of being able to join with them in their good fortune, somebody who's actually happy, to say to look into their eyes and express that I'm happy that you're happy instead of our, our ordinary when we're spinning in the bowl we're we're thinking about what we lack and what uh, what and if we're thinking about another it's more in this kind of comparison above below or equal to and yet this capacity to be to expand our circle of being is, just a split second away. And it's really out of habit. It's out of conditioning that we spin in the narrow, what I I like to call the narrow vortex, the narrow gravitational field of our self-preoccupation and deprive ourselves that wider gravitational field of the Dharma, of the truth, of of the connection with life, right where it touches us, right in the middle of every relationship with the creatures of this world to the humans. What inspired me to mention this is that uh, I was just away both having a little time off, but I also sandwiched the little time off with two retreats that I was leading up in uh, British Columbia. And while I was doing the retreats, my uh, daughter and my wife were kind of roaming around doing a few things, and... Yes, just, uh, was it yesterday? Is yesterday? No, it was Sunday. My wife was hanging out down by this place called Stanley Park in, in Vancouver, which is a beautiful park, not unlike Golden Gate Park. And she came upon a group of of people of Middle Eastern ancestry, didn't really get their country of origin, but they had just come out of a, they've come out of a 30-day fast for Ramadan, which ended on August 18th. I guess that was Saturday or Sunday. It's Sunday. Okay. I know there are people who are many, much better experts on this. I really have very little information about Ramadan. But what they communicated to my wife, not just in words, but in their joyous presence, was that they, that a very strong motivation for Ramadan for this fast is in respect to those who are less fortunate respect for the poor and they fast and for the and for at least for this group of people I don't know whether this is universal but for this group of people the money that they saved in what they would usually spend in food they then offer to those who are less fortunate and my wife was completely touched and then after she told me the story it captured my heart, and, and it was just such a beautiful expression of kindness and generosity. And since my wife and my daughter are my gurus, I, I, they gave me another teaching, or they, my wife told me another story today, as a matter of fact. When we were—a little backstory, before we left for British Columbia— we needed to find a uh, we needed to find hamster sitters we have two hamsters hammy and tiny <laughs> hammy and tiny had no one none of our usual sitters were available cuz august is a time where people go away so we went to the the doggy bed and breakfast where we used to take our dog in a pinch and the woman who runs the doggy bed and breakfast I probably shouldn't say this on the waves but she doesn't really like people so well but she adores animals but she has a beautiful heart and I could tell many stories about her I actually think she likes people too she takes care of their she takes care of their animals she agreed for what we thought was a, a uh, more expensive than we could afford to keep the hamsters that don't require a lot of care just feeding every couple of days and a little you know wiggling your nose in the cage and letting them run around in little balls or whatever and we 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 were in a pinch so we left the hamsters and agreed just to take the take the hit so to speak uh, all to so that we'd be able to go in peace, etc. So m- when my wife went to pick up the and daughter went to pick up the hamsters, she wrote a check out for it was several hundred dollars, actually. <laughs> I shouldn't have said the number, because it's not part. It's not the best part of the story, but the <laughs> but the um, the doggy bed and breakfast person crossed out the number and cut it in half. And my wife began to weep because it really touched her heart, this act of, of generosity and kindness. And the person didn't have to do that, but her heart was moved, and perhaps it's a practice of hers. And it, even if it's something that happens spontaneously, which it does, there are lots of spontaneous acts of kindness. They're ones that we can actually cultivate and practice. There's so many examples. I'd love to hear from you examples of where people have expressed kindness and generosity. But they are really at the central core of the Buddhist teaching. Uh, not not in any uh, less hierarchy than mindfulness and concentration. And non-harming is the practice of generosity and the practice of kindness. These are really central pillars of the Dharma. I thought that just to warm you up a little bit, I'd just share the metta-sutta. It's always good to hear because it, you think, okay, the Buddha just talked about uh, seeing through the illusion of self, uh, seeing you, doing vipassana practice. This is what often gets popularized in the West, Buddha mindfulness. But the Buddha said this, this is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duty, duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them do not the slightest thing That the wise would later reprove, wishing in in gladness, in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born or to be born, may all beings be at ease. radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies, downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires is not born again into this world. What that means? Not born into this world. Not born again into our our um, inter- our self fixation, our absorption with me and mind, the story of me. Our life becomes can increasingly through this sharing of our heart. This uh, it can become. Give, it can be given over to the well being of all. And in fact, when we offer kindness, when we offer generosity, when we spread our goodwill, we, not being apart from this world, we, we benefit. There's joy to the giver and joy to the receiver. I recently received, I thought this was very touching, I recently received a an article from A magazine called Guideposts. I don't know if any of you heard this. I think it's all about service and and some some, it might be some kind of spirituality. But it's the article was about Father Flanagan's angel. This really just reminds me of our better nature and that which we can all cultivate in our own way. I'll read it to you. It's not. Oh, it's actually a little long. Sorry I didn't um, edit this first. I've always thought that Father Flanagan's Boys Town, does everybody know about Father Flanagan? He was a kind of fierce, uh, fierce uh, priest who really cared about the delinquent boys and and created a school and helped help integrate them, help train them to live better lives. And this fellow in a a 1993 issue of the magazine, they ran a story about uh, Ron Demis, who came to Boys Town as an adolescent after doing several stints in jail. There he learned to make his life count for something and went on to the Marines before returning to Boys Town as a teacher. But behind his inspiring story, there is an inspiring story about how this now famous institution got its start. Back in 1917, Father Flanagan envisioned a place where the troubled kids could learn self-governance and get skills they could learn, they could use to earn a living from his work with with homeless children on the streets of Omaha, Nebraska. He saw that sending boys to ref- reformatories under lock and key where they associated with hardened criminals only taught them to be criminals. He proposed to break that cycle by making the boys responsible for themselves and each other. He would start a new kind of orphanage in a, in a house he had found in Omaha. All he needed was 90, do- $90 for the rent. He was a Catholic priest and had no means himself. What he had to find was a donor sympathetic to his revolutionary vision. This is where the part that I I have some connection to I'll tell you later. That's when he turned to Henry Monsky, a prominent Jewish lawyer in town. Although the two men were of different faiths, they had a passion for the same causes. Over the years, they both worked hard for prevention and control of juvenile delinquency. Yes, Monsky would agree to putting up $90, a sum worth considerably more in those days, and continued to support Father Flanagan as Boys Town moved and expanded, giving more than the initial $90 loan. Thereby hangs a tale. I, like millions of others, first became aware of Boys Town through the celebrated movie. I was 14 in 1938 when I first saw Boys Town, a huge box office hit. Mickey Rooney, a big teenage favorite of mine, was a half cock cigarette-smoking delinquent who said things like, Hey, hiya, Doc. To the priest, what am I going to do in a broken-down nursery-like boy's town? Father Flanagan, played by Spencer Tracy, grabbed my friend Mickey by the collar and said, I can be tougher than you are, and, and wow, proceeded to prove it. Tracy won a second Academy Award for the performance, et cetera, et cetera. But what of Henry Monsky, the great benefactor? I recently saw the movie again in video. My memories of it were pretty much correct but there was no omaha lawyer just a jewish shopkeeper named mark morris in the movie the 90 dollar loan came comes from morris why the fictional change i discovered that it was entirely due to monsky at the time he supplied the money he stipulated that no one should know his identity what he first saw when he first saw the film at the premiere he gripped his wife's arm and whispered They couldn't have double-crossed me, could they? (laughs) Father Flanagan had to reassure him that his secret was safe, and so it was for many years until well after both men had died. Evidently, Monsky believed that the highest form of charity came through helping someone in need anonymously. This distinguished man became the international president of B'nai B'rith, key figure in organizing the American Jewish Conference that led to the formation of the Jewish State of Israel, established one of his greatest legacies through his silent support of Father Flanagan. So it turns out that my high school sweetheart was his granddaughter. And she didn't know that. I never heard that until I read it just a few weeks ago. And this for whatever it's worth. It really touched my heart. Every one of us is a Father Flanagan. It can be, every one of us can be a Henry Monsky. I'm just convinced of it. And, we, and it doesn't have to look as grand or be as famous. It's just little acts of generosity and kindness. I always like to use the opportunity to talk about uh, generosity and kindness are really so connected. Because generosity is that, is that, um, it's the act of giving, and the Buddha said that this there is no greater cause of joy than giving. There can be, and it's something that it that is, uh, can be conditioned. Even if we've been conditioned out of fear and scarcity, we can condition ourselves for connection and joy. It's the same. It happens both ways. And he talks about the the joy in the thought of giving. So think about giving all the time, even if you can't. Think about giving. And then he talked about joy in the act of giving. And if you can, feel it. Feel that experience of giving. And then he talked about the, the joy that comes from the memory of having given. How it just keeps on giving when we have been kind or when we've been generous. He said if we really understood the power to extend our hearts, to widen that circle of being, to look around at our fellow bugs, come out of the tangle of mere th- me thinking, he said we would not uh, let a single meal pass without sharing it. That's how powerful and accessible is this, uh, this quality of generosity uh, that we can cultivate in our hearts and kindness. As our friend Jen passed this poem on to me, and I've read it several times here, it's just so, it's to me such a reminder of, of what we really want, uh, even though uh, how we express our wants is exactly the opposite. It's from Hafiz, it's called Admit Something. Admit something, every, everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you do not say this out loud. Otherwise, someone would call the cops. Still, though, think about this, this great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with the full moon in each eye? That is always saying, with that sweet moon language, what every other eye in this world is dying to hear. We literally can feel whatever that connection is by offering small kindnesses and acts of generosity and compassion. Here's one that I've often used as an example, Roberto DiVincenzo, the Argentine, famous Argentine golfer who once won a tournament, and after receiving the check and smiling for the cameras, he went to the clubhouse and prepared to leave. Sometime later, he walked alone to his car in the parking lot and was approached by a young woman. She congratulated him on on his victory, then told him that her child was seriously ill and near death. She did not know how she could pay the doctor's bill and the hospital expenses. DiVincenzo was touched by her story and he took out the pen and endorsed his winning check for payment to the woman. "'Make some good days for the baby,' he said as he pressed the check into her hand. The next week he was having lunch at the country club when a professional golf association official came to his table. Some of the boys in the parking lot last week told me, "'You met a young woman there after you won that tournament.' DiVincenzo nodded. "'Well,' said the official, "'I have news for you. She's a phony.' She has no sick baby. She's not even married. She fleeced you, my friend. You mean there is no baby who's dying? Said DiVincenzo. That's right, said the official. That's the best news I've heard all week, said DiVincenzo. Big heart. You get a big heart from having it been having it be touched. How do we have it be touched? By coming out of the tangle of our own preoccupation and tuning in. And if you can't connect, then make acts of connections. So we're not so far, we're not as isolated as we think in our internal world. So if we need to be held and loved and seen, start doing it. It's easy to talk about, maybe hard to may seem like it's hard to make that shift, but just next time you're in the shop, look into the person's eyes who's atten- who's attending the cash register. Next time you're, you know, whatever you're doing, just, just connect. People in the city forget how to do this. It's all about protection. And that's understandable. The idea here is to be as... I always think of Manindra, who used to say the idea is to be simple, not a simpleton. We need to know when to shut down. But there's a lot of moments that we can be extending ourselves quite safely. And with that full moon in our eyes, giving everyone that which they want, they long so desperately for. So just if you need any more encouragement to... Practice loving kindness and the extension of that and joy and equanimity and joy and compassion. This is the Buddha's list of the benefits of metta. People who practice metta or loving kindness sleep peacefully, wake peacefully, dream peaceful dreams. People love them Angels love them. Angels will protect you. Poisons and weapons and fires won't harm you. Your faces will be clear. Your mind serene. You'll die unconfused. And when you die, your rebirth will be in a heavenly realm. Sounds a little dated, doesn't it? The old list used to say, animals will not harm you. So for those of you who don't mind a little homage to the the sutras, to the tradition of people practicing loving-kindness, Uh, Throughout the centuries, 2,500 years, I thought we would chant in the Pali language, closely related to the language that the Buddha spoke. And essentially what we'll be chanting is, by this practice, according with the true Dharma, I I honor the Buddha, that's just being awake. I honor the Dharma, the way things are. I honor the Sangha, those who know this, the value of being a Buddha and knowing the Dharma, being awake, being uh, opening to life as it is. I honor the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. I honor my mother and my father. A novel idea. I honor my teachers. May all beings, all living be- things, all creatures, all individuals, all personalities, all females, all males, all noble ones, all who are not noble, all deities, all humans, all those in unhappy conditions, may they be free from enmity, free from mental suffering, free from physical suffering, take care of themselves happily, may they be free from suffering. Remember, this is all we're wishing this, wishing this. You're extending this wish. You're having your mind filled with these. this intention that people be happy. It begins to create a fragrance when you think this way, where you're not thinking, what can I get you're thinking how can I want people to be happy I want to be happy I want you to be happy Notice what it's like when you have those thoughts as opposed to why me why don't I get what I want why everybody else seems to get what they want everybody else is okay I'm not okay This is this is a lie anyway It's just not a accurate perception of the way things are So, we counteract that with this extending of loving kindness. Finally, may all beings be free of suffering. May they enjoy safety and abundance. May they have their action, their karma, as their true property. May all beings be happy. So, here we go. This is partly a meditation. You have to kind of be patient as we go through here.
1: Imaya Damanu, call and response. Imaya dhammanu dhamma patipatiyah dhamma patipatiyah buddham pujami Imaya dhammanu dhamma patipatiyah dhamma pujami Imaya Damanu dhamanu hi maya dhamanu dhamma Mata pitunam pujemi. Mata pitunam pujemi. Imaya damanu. Dhamma patipatiya. Acharyanam pujemi. Sabe sata. Sabe Pana Sabe Puhuta Sabe, Sabe, Sabe Pugala Sabe, Sabe Atabawa Pariapana. Sabe tio Sabe purisa Sabe, Sabe Arya, Sabe aria Sabe anaria Sabe, anaria. Sabe, dehiwa. Sabe dehiwa Sabe manusa Sabe Winipatika Sabe Winipatika hontu Avera hontu Apya hontu Apya paja, 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 paja hontu Aniga hontu Sukhi Atanam Pārīhārāntu, to Dukāmu-chāntu, haran Sampātito, Dukamuchan Kamasaka. Sabe sata. Sabe sata Suki Hon Tu Sadu three times Sadu Sadu sadu. That means well spoken.
0: We have space for anyone who would like to, just a few minutes, five minutes for anyone who would like to describe any uh, act of kindness or compassion that comes to mind. Please. You want to come and, would you be willing to use the mic or is it?
1: In the early '90s, when I lived in Marin, I worked in San Francisco. And one day, I was going across the bridge,
0: and um, I went up to pay my toll. And the toll taker told me, "No worries, my toll had been paid already by the guy who just paid ahead of me." So I gave her my money anyways and said, "Pass it on." Pass it on. And had hoped and imagined
1: it went down the line quite a ways.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Sweet. Any others? (laughs) I think that's a good place to stop, uh, to pay it forward, pass it on. Did you want to say something, please? Neighbor's child had died of crib death. And the child one, and half, well, one, and one and a half year old child. And the woman was in seclusion. Woman was in seclusion. And a woman with a camera, her, her, your friend went around the neighborhood on her knees with a camera taking pictures. And she assembled a book. Uh, assembled a book. Snapshots were taken essentially from the level of a child looking out of a stroller. Snapshot from the level of a child looking out of a stroller. That's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, when you think about the world falling apart, and if you just stay tuned into the political media, you think there's just a world full of hatred and wackadoodles, but there are constant acts of compassion and kindness and people doing passionate engagement and action. We have the whole Greenpeace uh, community on Union Street near my office, and they are so bright. It gives me so much faith in uh, whether you believe in what Greenpeace is all about or not. It doesn't even matter. It's that they care and they're out there doing things. And people, and you'd think if you just tune into the media, nobody cares. Nobody will vote. Nobody does. There are people who really care and it can be each of us if it isn't already. Anyway, thanks for listening to Thoughts on Kindness and Generosity. So let's just just for a moment, I think we've already shared the blessings by chanting the, the wish that all beings could be happy. But if there's any left over, we'll again remind ourselves that uh, our practice doesn't just touch us. It ta- touches all beings, and we can dedicate our all of the goodness that we have, all the blessings, all the benefits, all the fruits of all of our actions to the welfare and benefit of all with a deep wish that, all can be happy, peaceful, safe, protected, healthy, and strong, that all beings can have ease in their hearts and a sense of well-being, that all beings can be free. Thank you. Just as always, just a brief reminder of the of our Donna basket here for the hundred and fifty dollar room rental which we have to cover every week and it's up to all of us. And the teacher Donna all in the same basket if you feel to everything here is offered freely by me or whoever whoever takes this seat as my practice of Donna and if you feel to support that and support the next week um, Thank you in advance for your generosity. So see you next time, next Tuesday. Thank you.